Thanks for listening to the Doug Gottlieb Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday, 3 to 6 Eastern, 12 to 3 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Doug Gottlieb Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. Now let's get this party started. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. What up, Doug Gottlieb Show? Fox Sports Radio. Mm-hmm. Hope you're having a great day. The Doug Gottlieb Show broadcast live from Southern California. Going to talk about Vegas. And this portion of the show is brought to you by Las Vegas. Greatest arena on earth. Every game, match, race, and competition. It is always on. No one does sports like Vegas. The excitement is endless. So make sure to plan your trip today at visitlasvegas.com. Um, so look, I mean, we're if we're fully going to disclose things, and that's kind of, I think, the best way to do it. Um, Lee Mayock is our... Uh, Booking producer. Is that booking coordinator? Booking producer? I, I I don't know the actual term. Lee's talent coordinator. That's it. Talent coordinator. Okay. So, for example, Charlie Weiss, she goes through all the layers or whatever layers to make sure. And then she coordinates with Jason Stewart. And all of the guests we have are because of her hard work. So, Lee is the daughter of Mike Mayock. And... What I love about Lee is not just that she's good at her job, but she's never been somebody who's like, hey, take it easy on my pop, right? Like her dad is her dad. She has her, you know, it's like that's kind of the way it works here. I, I We do the same thing with with friends of mine. You know, I, I can't like necessarily take it easy on people I like if they do something wrong. And if it's somebody that I don't like or I know isn't the greatest human on earth, but they do something we we try we play it straight down the middle here, but it does suck when somebody who you know through somebody else who you work with who you like a great deal loses their job, and that's what happened to Mike Mayock yesterday. But this is what I find to be fascinating, which is, um, you know, so Mike Mayock wasn't even told, like, didn't even know that he was going to get. They were doing all the planning, and he lost his job, and. It looks like they're not going to bring back Rich Passaccia either. And once you saw yesterday the story that they were interviewing GM candidates, you're like, wait, they're interviewing GM candidates? They have a GM. How does that work? The, the, the Raiders are, their process is more than a little out of order, right? <laughs> you know, you don't start interviewing or request to interview a GM until you call in your GM and go, hey, man, look, here's the deal. And you allow him to go and talk to everybody. And then they, so... But that's the Raiders. And and what's amazing about it is we, we, do, we do a terrible job, I believe, in my industry of painting a picture of somebody simply based upon individual decisions, individual games, individual moments. When the truth is, it's about the totality of it, Right? About the totality of it. Now, the reality is Mike Mayock lost his job because he was brought in by John Gruden and John Gruden's no longer there. But the other part of the reality is, and this is where it really stinks, you know, they had to get rid of one of his early draft picks and another early first round draft pick is in jail. And, you know, one of them did have some knocks against him in terms of off the field. Henry Ruggs, I, I didn't, there was, 
I, I asked five different teams front offices when the Henry Ruggs accident went down. Was any of this bag? Was there any baggage with Henry Ruggs? All of them said no. There were no red flags. He was a small town kid who had been great at Alabama. The only thing that people had when they did their research was there's some guys from back home. He didn't grow up in the greatest area that were hangers honors. And he wasn't somebody who cut off the hangers honors well enough, but none of it. Like he, he didn't have a drinking problem. They were, they was DUI or anything, nothing. So is it fair? No. Right. Are the Raiders better now than they were before he got there? Yeah. Did they hit every draft pick? No. Feel free okay, to go back through and tell me every guy who hit on a draft pick. I'm waiting. You know. Uh, what's the cat's name? Lamp. Uh, that that uh, the Chargers drafted a couple years ago. Um, Forrest was, Lamp. Forrest Lamp. All-time great name, right? Go and look. The Chargers drafted Forrest Lamp. You know who went a couple picks later? Patrick Mahomes. Right? Now, look, Tom Telesco is a, is a friend of mine. We've had him on the show. And we've told you how great a job they've done. They drafted Justin Herbert. And Justin Herbert is, like, it, it's kind of a no-brainer. You can't say Tom Telesco without saying they got Justin Herbert. I don't know if they would have taken Tua if they had a choice between Tua and Justin Herbert. So some of it is luck. And some of it is like, am I drafting for what I need? Patrick Mahomes wouldn't have played at the time because they had Phillip Rivers. Rivers seemed to have two more years left. They thought they'd sit Mahomes for one. Like, there's all these different things. Go and look. Pick the other team. Who else has drafted well, right? Like, you got Sean McDermott as Josh Allen, right? Nailed it with Josh Allen. And they traded for Stephon Diggs, and that's great. They made plenty of other picks that stunk. He was the one who, didn't he play uh, uh, Peterman, right? Remember he, he put Peterman, uh, Nathan Peterman in as a rookie? Nathan Peterman was the first year. They had Terod Taylor, played Nathan Peterman, I think against the Chargers. And what do you have, four interceptions in the first half? Something was just five. Re- yeah. five, intercept- five interceptions. The Nathan Peterman era started and ended all in the same game. So, again, we can hyper-focus on, ooh, that was, I don't think he got, five. like, Mayock got fired for a dra- bad draft pick. Because you could say, hey, look, they trade away Khalil Mack. That was before he got there. They tra- to get two first-round picks. Okay, they didn't nail the, uh, they, they didn't nail some of their defensive players in the first two rounds, but they have one of the best pass rushers in football who they drafted in the third round. The way this business works is whatever ship you're tied to, when that ship sails, you go with it. That's how sports works. That's how business works. It's really, really, really hard to hang on and to be with the new regime. It's just, it's very, very, it's extremely unlikely. It doesn't mean it doesn't happen, and you can tell me, but it's like John Snyder and Pete Carroll, those two are tied together, right? Tied together. And, you know, when when one comes in and has success with the other and they have a symbiotic and one loses a job, the other one's likely to lose his as well. 
So it stinks because I have, I mean, Mike has always been really good to us and the Raiders without any question are better off now than they were before Gruden got there. There's, there's no argument. I will not listen to any, and I know it took kind of a miracle for them to get there, but a guy can't took a miracle because Gruden got fired and rugs, you know, and Darren Waller was hurt. You know, it's like you can hold a, a draft pick, Cleveland Farrell, against him. But then do you give him any credit for getting a Darren Waller and, re- and, and being with him to kind of rehab his off-the-field issues and get him on the football field and make him into a star? But the, the Mayock story is one that is important for, you, for people to understand. We do a terrible job of telling you what's really going on. We make huge statements about this guy and that guy and one decision. He didn't get fired because Henry Ruggs got drunk and killed a lady in terrible, tragic, preventable accident. No, it's because Gruden got him fired. He was tied to Gruden. He was Gruden's guy. They worked together. Gruden gets fired for 10 years ago. Emails. That thing was, was gone. And, of course, Rich Passaccia can do the job. He's got great energy, great passion. The dudes love him. But owners are going to own. Right? There's an expression in, in professional sports which is really important. Owners own. Right? Mike May, I can say, don't worry, I got this. We got the salary cap. Derek Carr's our guy. He's shown great leadership. We've rebuilt the offensive line around him. It's been better. We've we got to figure out now what to do without rugs, how, how to manage all this stuff moving forward. I got it. You know, we got Rich, who's not going to cost you a ton of You can save some money on Rich. The guys love him. He's, he loves doing the job. He'll be here every day. He can clearly do the job. We hire the best coordinators, the best D coordinator. He'll do the special teams as well. It works in Baltimore, right, where they have a special teams coordinator who became the head coach and John Harbaugh, and it worked. All that is great. <coughs> but you, you got an owner that he just wants splash hires. You got an owner that clearly doesn't care about about having a conversation and allowing the proper goodbyes to be said. Right? If you don't think that name pop matters to, to Mark Davis, well, hey, look around. In the WNBA, he just, I'm sure, overspent to go and get the highest paid coach in the WNBA who'd never, who hadn't coached in the WNBA. Right? He's why did he give John Gruden ten years? One, he had to do it to get him out of TV and overpay him. But two, he wanted the name of John Gruden, who had been with the Raiders before. So that's why it went down, and it stinks because Lee's been Lee's wonderful to work with, and I know that people in football. Mike Mayock came in, and that's not easy. When you come off of TV and you got to go do a job, and you're though you've been covering the profession, like people give you no special treatment. As a matter of fact, quite the opposite. And the Raiders are better now than they were previously, but owners own. And you tie your ship, and when that ship sails, you go out to sea. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. 
Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Mm-mm-mm-mm. So there was a a scary kind of moment last night in the blowout of the Cardinals. Um, All pro safety Buda Baker, all pro safety Buda Baker was trying to tackle Cam Akers right around the goal line. It was at about, I don't know what it was, the two yard line, three yard line. I'm visualizing in my head. I I don't, I don't have it in front of me, but um, it was an explosive hit. And then a really scary moment where Buda Baker lay unconscious. And then he's, I mean, obviously, every little kid loves Buda Baker because he's a good football player and he's got a cool name, you know. Um, but he's laying there motionless and you're just holding your breath like, oh, oh, let's get up, please. And then all the players are gathering around. They put him on the, stre- the stretcher and they take him off. Uh, Buda Baker's okay. Here's his social media post earlier today. Uh, this is going back to last night because there's another one from an airplane flying home. This was earlier today. I want to say thank you for all the well wishes and the prayers from everyone, and I appreciate you guys. And, you know, everything came out clean. I'm going to make a full recovery. So definitely blessed and just excited to get out of this hospital, you know, get back to Arizona. Uh, he's on a, he was on a plane back. He's already landed. He's going to be okay. Make a full recovery. Check out the latest lines from World of Sports at BetRivers Sportsbook. BetRivers is the trusted name in online sports betting. Got to be 21. President of Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Pennsylvania to play. Gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER. Now, apparently, there was, like, they almost came to blows between the teams because as he laid there motionless, Cam Akers did the, do you guys familiar with the too small, the too small hand signal? You, you familiar with this, Jay Stu, where you, you, if in, in basketball, if you dunk on a guy, somebody dunks on a guy, everybody taps their head, right, on his head. And then you do the, the too small if he's too small. Are yep. you you're familiar with this? I saw your tweet uh, um, in live time, and then I Googled the too small, and I saw many references. Yeah. That's a too small thing. I also think that Cam Akers uh, supposedly said um, – when he, as he laid there, I don't think he knew how badly hurt he was. He was like, F him, right? So look, we got to give context to it. One, how amazing is Cam Akers? He had a torn Achilles tendon less than six months ago. Secondly, and you talk about in real time, in real time, a guy tackles you and is shooting for your knees and you go low and go helmet to helmet. I'm sure there's part of Cam Akers, you know, those guys, they, especially somebody coming off an Achilles tendon, they don't want somebody going for their knees. Now, for Buddha, who does come in kind of like a missile, he does lead with his helmet, he, and that's one of the reasons he got kind of dinged up, and it was just, a, it was awful contact. Um, but, like, look, he, he's, those little guys got to go low, and, and, you know, now if you go high, you get kind of penalized, Cam Akers lowered the boom. So I, I, I actually see it from both sides. I don't know. I, now that Buddha's okay, I think now I can say that's about as, a, as good a finishing a run as you're going to see, right? It's one of those, like, for, I, I actually think that was a big moment for Cam Akers. It, it, the big moment is the first get first to get into practice, then to get in the game, then to have a big run, and then to take a big hit, then deliver a big hit and finish a run against a guy who everybody respects as a hitter. Ramos, can you believe that Cam Akers is playing right now? I cannot. And and not only is he not playing, I'm not only is he playing, 
but he's playing at a high level. Yeah. Uh, that it is because you, I mean, I don't know, you didn't tear your ACL, right? Or did you? I, yeah, I tore my ACL. Okay, so you know what. But no, he's not his Achilles tendon. Oh, I'm is, sorry. That was a, but still, yeah, it's that's bad. That's what Kobe did, right? That was Achilles. Yeah, it's so a year it's, usually. Yeah. It used to be, used to be a year. You know? Yeah. Well, technology and medicine now is just incredible. Kevin Durant right? sat so. for how many? How many? Kevin Durant missed a whole like a season and a half. Granted, yeah. it was a shortened season. Man, that's amazing. And you even mentioned the fact that remember they thought he could come back for the playoffs. He didn't, but they thought you know, hey, he, he did he, come back for the playoffs. No, I'm talking about um, Kevin Durant. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember yeah. there was talk that hey, yeah, could, they they yeah. they wanted to, they wanted to hold him. He he was he wanted to stay out. He stayed out longer than anybody. And then of course, Clay Thompson tore his last year. Still didn't sit out as long as as Kevin Durant. But Clay Thompson missed it. Tore his ACL first in the finals. What was that? Over two seasons ago, and then hurt that. So, I just I can't believe how good Cam Akers looked. Byer, have you ever seen anything like like the Adrian Peterson, but. Adrian Peterson coming back and winning the MVP and comeback player of the year. But that was the next year to tear your Achilles tendon, which has always been the injury with the longest rehab in the NFL and come back less than six months later and look like that. Yeah. That's amazing. He's a freak. Just the, the comeback. Like I did think last time I'm like, well, he is the only guy who's really fresh. Like that was the one thing that I thought he he does look a little bit more spry than everybody else because totally he, he looked the, like he fired out of a cannon. Yeah, he doesn't have the seventeen other games under his belt, but just of coming back from that injury is is crazy and something I've never seen before. Obscene! It, it's obscene that he's back from the injury that quickly. It is truly incredible, incredible. Yeah, I think it also says a little something uh, to the running back position and a lot to how the Rams want to play football and that's they want to run the ball late in the season they wanted to do it last year with Cam Akers they had that three-headed monster of of Akers Henderson and Malcolm Brown last year but when it came you know push came to shove Akers was their guy down the stretch is what they want to do and now you're in the playoffs and you know a shelf life of a running back isn't you know like there's no point in playing it safe with him because, you know, why at the running back position? If he can go, get as much as he can out of him, especially at this time of year. Totally agree. Totally agree. I mean, I, that dude was that dude was amazing. I was, I, you know, call me impressed. Uh, that was Chris Sims joins us, of course, Texas alum. He played back when it was a 12, when the Big 12 actually had 12 last time. There's a North and a, and a South. I don't want to talk about the, the Big 12's division now. What I do want to talk about is what, what, Who's to blame for how awful the Cardinals looked last night offensively? Well, I, I think you know. I, I think that's it's pretty easy there. It is Cliff Kingsbury. There's no doubt. I mean, again, he's done some good things there in his tenure so far with Arizona, but it's the third year in a row. And, and listen, if you watch my podcast, it's something that we dove into late last year when I do Kristen's Unbuttoned. I do a Wednesday podcast where I break down games. We call it "What the Bleep Happened Wednesday." Right. And it, it's the second year in a row we've had the conversation of it just being a very predictable offense. Again, it's a college offense. It's the spread. It's predicated on, hey, we're going to have, you know, good athletes or better athletes than you. and We're going to get them in space. And that's how we're going to stress the defense out. But in the NFL, it doesn't matter. It doesn't mean you're going to have the better athletes on the field all the time. It doesn't always mean you're going to have the better quarterback on the field. 
There's just not enough route concepts and tying of plays together. It is very simplistic in the four wide set. The run game, Doug, has got like two run plays. You know, I thought this year they might be able to weather the storm a little bit in the fact of they're a little better running the ball. They're very good in the screen game. I thought those two things might hide the fact that the offense is very normal, but it's just not enough at the end of the day. So that he would be the guy I look at. Again, I just watched that film back. I mean, the Rams might have as well been in the huddle with the Cardinals in some of the plays. They're all over the people downfield, even in zone coverage, dropping the right places. He's enemy number one or person number one. And then Kyler Murray just wasn't good either. There's no doubt. You know, there's a few times this year and even in the end of last year where his lack of size in playoff football games where you now, you know, or a big play, a big game where you got to stand in the pocket, the other team's got talent, they game plan for your movement a little bit so you're you're not going to be able to get out of jail as easily that way as far as getting out of the pocket and because of that, he can't necessarily see over the line, hang in there, oh, I'm about to get hit, but there's a guy 15 yards downfield. Let me throw it and take the hit like a Brady or a Josh Allen. That's not in his game either. And his size was certainly an issue last night in that football game because when the pocket collapsed, the play was over. He yeah. wasn't going to be able no, to see and, or and, make anything he, happen. He, and I know he, does, he doesn't have DeAndre Hopkins, right? Who is, right, is, right. It's a completely different game when he's not there. Why can Russell Wilson, and I know he's smaller than Wilson, okay? I do know that. Yep. yep. Why can, how, how can Russell do it, but Kyler can't? Right, right. Well, Russell, I'll say this too. Russell's not great at throwing the ball down the middle either. That's another, that's one of his flaws of his football game because of his height a little bit to a degree. Russell is a little bit of a bigger, thicker man who, yes, I think can stand in there and take shots a little bit better than Kyler Murray. You know, Russell's a hair, a hair under six foot. You know, Kyler Murray meeting him, they're being kind by saying he's 5'11". I would bet you he's really like the high 5'9". Five 5'9s, nine. Five yeah. And he's a little 5'9 as well, right? Exactly. right? Like, Doug, I was just about to say the same thing. It's not long arms. It's not square shoulders. You know, Russell has that aspect about him a little bit, too, to where it lets him play in the pocket with a little bit more of a physical demeanor. And then also, they're not asking him to play that offense all the time, too. You know, Russell's in the shotgun, but they do a lot of play-action passes and things like that that from underneath center that get him away from the line of scrimmage. So it gives him space to not have to see over people, and he can still see downfield because after a play-action pass, you're usually 9, 10 yards behind the line of scrimmage. Can, can I, and just forgive me again. This is more layman stuff, but it's something that I'm intrigued by, right? Like, yeah, sure. Ru- Russell is obviously pushed back against the offense and the offensive style and the desire for Pete Carroll to run the football as much as Pete wants to run the football. Is it at least right. possible that Pete knows in order for Russell to be Russell, they have to play this way? You can't just with, with his eye. Or, or, or am I wrong? You, you tell me. No, I, I don't know. I don't know that. I don't know if I've seen enough to know or how Pete would know that he can't play that way. And Pete just doesn't seem to want to bend from that style of offense. I don't think... Russell Wilson, when he talks about, you know, oh, he wants to be an offense all about him, it doesn't mean he needs to be in the shotgun spread offense. I just think he's kind of saying, hey, I want it to flow through me. It's not about, like, run game defense, let's take care of the ball, and then ask me to be clutch in the fourth quarter. I think he'd rather have, like, wait, let me get rhythm early in a football game. 
and let's come out firing instead of always worse than second down run, and now it's third and eight, and i got to throw. I don't think it's necessarily the specific style that he complains about. I just think it's how it's called, how it's put together, and just the mantra usually in Seattle, which is run first and play through the defense. I think that's where he's more sick of, sick of it than anything. Stug Gottlieb show here on Fox Sports Radio. That's the voice of of Chris Sims. Okay, the Cowboys. Let, let's start with the game before we get to the final drive and final play. Right. Um, why were the Cowboys so inept offensively? Well, Doug, like you know, I know, and I'm not trying to too. I've, I've been I've been telling you, it's it's an it's an overrated offense. I don't know from every aspect. You know, this is is something we've tried to beat home. I know I've been on here and said the same thing to you. Offensive line is overrated. I mean, overrated. Tyrone Smith is good, has no business being an all-pro left tackle. You know, the left guard and center are below average NFL left guards and centers. The right guard, Zach Martin, is the man. Lyle Collins is real, is good. But that that's it. You know, Zeke Elliott, it, it's over. He shouldn't even, He should not be a starting running back in football anymore after this year. That it's It's backup running back. You know, you've heard me talk about how – simple their offenses Doug I that's another one last week on Wednesday the podcast I broke it down I mean it's it's third and ten all three receivers have run a curl route at ten yards you know it's 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 well, it's it's third and eight all three receivers run straight down the field just oh you go you go straight you go straight you go straight great offensive coordinator thanks for that creative game plan design I'm sure the 49ers didn't expect it plus the 49ers are extremely talented their defense is more talented than the Cowboys' offense. It was an absolute butt-whooping up front. Absolute butt-whooping. I think you add that and the fact that Dak Prescott is a little bit off, been off ever since he hurt his calf. And then, yes, not running the ball. Now teams aired on, eh, well, we'd rather play pass defense. Well, you prove it to us you can run with Zeke and Tony Pollard first before we start getting into run defense sets. So I think you look at it that, that's an issue there, too. There's no doubt about it. Uh, but I think we talked last week. I mean, I thought the 49ers would win this game. The 49ers are the better football team. It's 23-7, to and it's third and 10, and there's a wide-open Brandon Ayuk, and he, it, the game's going to be over. I mean, it's domination. The Cowboys came back more not because I look at it and go, oh, they outplayed the 49ers in the fourth quarter. Just the 49ers and Jimmy G, that's the question about them. They can win the Super Bowl, the 49ers. It's just, can Jimmy G get them through that one or two parts every football game where they need him to make a few throws and a few good decisions? And I think that's still up in the air about the 49ers and Jimmy G. Okay, the last play. Okay. Yeah. You have right. you have a, an offensive coordinator who, look, if all that creativity, the hook and ladder, that's 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 that Boise State that's got his fingers all over it, right? They They're going sure. down the field. They call a quarterback draw. I'll give you. I'll give you all the different elements that you can blame for what happened at the end of the game. Yeah, you got you got the coordinator, you got the head coach, you got the quarterback, right. and then you got the official. Who, let's be honest, it feels like he got caught watching the play. That's why it was such a long run for him to come back. I, and okay, so you go. You've played that position. You've been a coach on the staff with the Patriots. You tell me who's to blame for them not getting that final snap off. Well, I think ultimately you got to blame the, the head coach and the offensive coordinator because, first off, there should be a plan or a process in place before that play is even called to kind of know what's expected or what's not expected. 
listen, with 14 seconds left on the clock, if they threw a little, let's say, a quick slant over the middle and he caught the ball, let's say Amari Cooper caught the ball and just fell down for a seven, eight-yard game, okay, and everybody knows that's what we're going to do. That, that, okay, maybe you can do that in 14 seconds, 13 seconds. 17-yard run from the shotgun running that play. Uh, history tells me John Gruden being my coach, Josh McDaniels working in New England. The line of demarcation was for any play that is over five yards, let's say 10-plus yards, you got to have 17 to 18 seconds left on the clock to, to think that you're realistically going to get the ball off, to, to clock it, and then have a chance to kick a field goal or throw the ball into the end zone one more time. So that would be the first part of it. Then, realistically practicing the, pra- the process in practice. You know, from their answers, I could tell they haven't done it realistically in practice. I mean, the way Dak explained it, well, in practice, I just – all I got to do is give the ball to the center. Well, I know you're the Dallas Cowboys, and you guys think you run America in the NFL, but the referees spot the ball. They don't just let Dak Prescott in the center go, hey, wherever you want to spot it, just you go ahead and then snap the ball. That's the other issue. The referee, I, I watched this pretty closely. He wasn't lollygagging or anything like that. He was on his horse. Once he realized Dak slid, he really tried to turn it on and start running. You know, but then there's so, so there's – the process of how they did it, not knowing exactly how long a play like that should take. Should Dak have slid earlier? Yes, I'd say that. That might have given them some extra time. But then they add on to that, you know, not knowing what to do with the proper mechanics of the football. And then getting in the way of the ref. You know, looking at the clock on the other side of the stadium and not basically just going, hey, here you go. Get through here and spot the ball so I can do that. So it was a bunch of cowboy problems there, but ultimately I got to blame it on the coach more than than anybody else. Did we see Mac Jones ceiling in Buffalo on Saturday? Um, no, I don't think so. I don't. You know, Mac Jones again. I'm not as excited about him as Zach Wilson or Justin Fields or Trevor Lawrence. I'm not. I'm most excited about Zach Wilson still. You know, just the, the pure what it looks like physical talent. But Mac Jones, hey. The, the, he, he's got it all to make it work. We know that. He can play the position. He's natural at that. Great decision maker. Great control of the football. I think what you're referring to and what, I'm, I would, what I would like to see him improve, he's got to get a little more power on the football. That would be the thing I would say this offseason. He needs to work on you know, a few more RPMs, being able to push the ball into some tighter windows, being able to push the ball down the field. Now, they got to get a legit receiver, too, that scares people and that he can attack with in that, in that aspect or, or part of their offense for sure. But I do think that's an area of his game he can improve. There's no doubt. He's got it all as far as playing the position. Now he just needs to bring a little bit more pure, raw physical ability to the table to help out the offense a little bit, just like you see with Josh Allen or the other great quarterbacks. And I'm not saying he's ever going to be that. But pure physical talent comes into play, you know, when even when Brady was up in New England, he has a great arm. Great arm. Where, but, but, hey, but, can you, but can you develop a great arm? You can. You can get better. Burrow got better at throwing it with power. I interviewed about it with him last week before the game. You can. There are certain mechanics that go into allowing yourself to throw the ball harder. Brady improved on it throughout his career. So you can, but you've got to get taught by the right people 
and really rep it to learn it that way. You want it, one, because it opens the field. Two, it allows the offensive coordinator to call plays that he can't call with a weak-armed quarterback. And three, what I was going to get to is just the fact that when the defense does win, and you go, oh, wow, everything's, everybody's covered and everything like that. Wait, oh, what? He still threw that ball in there and they got a 20-yard gain? That's what really good arms do for an offense, and that's where Mac Jones certainly lacks a little bit. You're the best, man. Look forward to seeing you on TV. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll download that pod as well. Thanks for being our guest. Th- thanks, Doug. I'll see you, buddy. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. That's talent right there. What's the game today, Dan Byer? Doug, the game today is... Rank them. All right, Doug. Rank the top three most impressive performances by an NFL team this past weekend. Oh, so I just have to do teams. Okay. For right Um, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fine. Uh, For teams. Most impressive. Uh, Okay. Uh, Number number three. I'll go with the LA Rams. Um, Granted... Nobody's been impressed by the Cardinals. They didn't have DeAndre. They were ready to play. They have twenty-one nothing. They were they were awesome. They were ready to play. Right. And the game was not competitive. I give the Rams a ton of credit. Number two would be the Buffalo Bills. New England had beaten them in Buffalo, and this was an absolute no doubter. Right. It was, I mean, complete and utter obliteration. And number one would be the San Francisco 49ers. You beat the Cowboys in Dallas. Um, I agree with Chris Sims. It should have been a blowout at 23-7. It was not because of Jimmy G. But still, winning on the road against a super talented team that was favored, Like I'm going to go with the Niners as the most impressive team. All right, Doug. Now rank the three most impressive individual performances by players this past weekend in the NFL playoffs. Um, okay. Uh, I will go with uh, Josh... Allen at three. Josh Allen was amazing. 21 of 25. Five touchdown passes. And um, he was he was great. There's just he was great. There's just no no other superlatives to throw out there. I thought he was an absolutely special uh, special player. Number two. Um, I'm going to give credit to Odell Beckham Jr. Right. I'm going to give credit to Odell Beckham Jr. You know, like, here's a guy who we wondered if he still had it. And granted, he's the number two receiver, so he's not dealing with double teams anymore. But the guy made a couple of spectacular catches. He looks like he gets it. He looks like he belongs. He may never be the superstar he was previously, but, man, he's caught a lot of touchdown passes. And that's what he gets paid to do. So Odell Beckham Jr., number two. And number one would be Pat Mahomes. Um, 404 yards, five touchdown passes. I get Big Ben stinks that the Steelers aren't nearly at the level of the Chiefs, but playoff Pat Mahomes was back, and he was amazing. Doug, rank your top three teams in college basketball right now. Oh, I'm glad you asked. 
Um, okay. So my top three teams are not necessarily like everybody else's top three teams. Uh, or maybe they are. I don't know. I don't, I don't actually care. Um, number three, number three is going to be uh, Baylor. Okay, I know they got beat twice at home, Texas Tech and Oklahoma State. And I know that Arizona's got a better record, just hasn't played the same schedule. I'll put Baylor at three. I'll put Gonzaga at two. They also have lost two games. And I'll put the Tigers of Auburn at one. Auburn second just behind Gonzaga in the AP poll released yesterday. Uh, Doug, finally, rank your three favorite ABC sitcoms of all time. ABC. ABC, a little TGIF, maybe some, uh, I mean, Growing Growing Pains is my probably number one. But um, Well, Wonder Years was on uh, Yeah, was Wonder on ABC, Years, wasn't yes. It? Yes, it was. Okay. Um, so that's going to be my number one. Because, yeah, I had a crush on Winnie. Who didn't have a crush on Winnie? Right? Did anybody not have a crush on Winnie? Okay, so number three is going to be Grey's Anatomy. Used to be our show way back in the day, right? I think it's actually still going on. Now it's on Netflix. Number two is going to be The Bachelor. I'll express why. And then, num- oh, I got I to be sitcoms? Yeah, don't worry. We only have 20 seconds. So um, and number one, is gonna be, number one is going to be uh, Wonder Years. It's all good. That's game That's time. That's game, huh? Game time. This is game time on the Doug Gottlieb Show. We may need to revisit that one because I screwed that one up. I apologize for that damn buyer. I'll tell you what stuck out to me most about the Rams win next on the Doug Gottlieb Show.